Please remain standing for the reading of today's scripture, which comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. You can find this on page 790 in your pew Bible. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Let's pray as we begin. <clears throat> Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, let's continue our conversation on everyday mission. Just a little reminder of where we've been and where we're headed. We've already talked about the people and the places and the work that God has given us to do as the place where God calls us in our everyday mission. Last week, we talked about who's on mission and made a pretty compelling case from Scripture that 
It is an all-ages affair that our children and our youth are not exempt from this and that our job often as adults, me as an adult, is to champion them and encourage them as they live out their everyday mission. Where we're headed, what tools do we have for everyday mission? And if God is calling us to do mission right where we are, what does that mean for people who hear the call of God to go to far-off places? How do we understand God's calling in that way? And then in a couple weeks, we'll put a wrap on this series on everyday mission. So today, our focus is on the tools. What tools are we given? What tools do we have for everyday mission? As I've talked with many of you about this sermon series, I've heard a similar response from many. I do believe that God uh, may be inviting me into mission every day, but I don't really know what it is, and I don't know if I'm capable of doing it. And some of you might feel that way today. What if living out my faith in an obvious way feels unsafe to me in my workplace or in my neighborhood? What if I'm not comfortable praying out loud for somebody? What if I sense that God is giving me opportunities that I'm just not ready for? Those are good questions that we have. So it's worth asking this morning, if God does indeed have an everyday mission for us, how has he equipped us for it? Does he just leave us to our own devices and hope that we figure it out? Or does he somehow equip us for everyday mission? Matthew chapter 10, which was just read for us. We see God sending out the 12 disciples on a fairly weighty everyday mission, right? The mission is to go into these neighboring towns and to replicate Jesus' ministry in every way. Healing, casting out demons, uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God is near. And does he equip them for this mission? It's a good question. And I think it's hard to say from this text that he really does equip them adequately for this mission. I mean, he gives them a few somewhat vague instructions. He tells them that it's going to be really hard, and then he sends them out. There's no advanced training seminar There's no, here's a secret trick that you could use. There's no guidebook. It doesn't seem that, to me, at least at first reading, that Jesus is equipping his disciples at all for this important mission that they're being sent out on. But, as is often the case with Jesus Christ, the more we read, the closer we read, we see that things are not always as they seem. So there are three truths that I want to pull out of this passage today. And I'm going to tie these three truths together with an illustration from my own life. Um, I am not a very handy person. I try, but I'm just not super handy. Most of the punch list things that we have going on at our house are things that I can handle with some duct tape and, and a screwdriver, I hope. But I encountered something this time last year that had me totally stymied. After cooking dinner one night, I went to turn off the stove, but I could tell that something was wrong with the oven dial on our stove. I had turned it into the off position and had walked away, but then a couple minutes later, I realized that something wasn't right because I could still see flames burning on the inside of the oven down below, and I knew that I had a problem. I attempted to take off the knob, but I realized pretty quickly that In order to take that knob off, I would need to open the oven door and pop off the front face of the range, right? Which would require me undoing about a dozen screws, but the oven was pouring heat out of it. It was blazing hot, so I was dismantling the oven in oven mitts, which is not easy to do. Um, Once I had it dismantled and I was nearly melting myself, I was looking at this mess of wires and I had absolutely no idea what to do. 
I was concerned that there was gas flowing into my house and, and I knew I needed solutions fast. So what was the logical thing that I did? I went to YouTube to try and fix it myself, right? Of course, the YouTube videos weren't perfect. They weren't the exact model of our oven. Uh, they were saying things that I didn't really understand way too fast. And after about 40 minutes, I was able to finally turn the oven off. I don't know how I did it, but somehow it went off. And Katie encouraged me to call the repairman in the morning. She just said, just, just call him. But I was, I was pretty set on trying to figure this thing out myself, right? Maybe a few more videos and I, and I could repair the knob. Maybe I could download the manual somehow to this oven and I could figure it out and I would feel pretty good about myself and, and I could rehook these wires and, and put everything back together again, right? Well, my, life, my wife lovingly reminded me that I have no idea what I'm doing uh, and that I was working with gas and electrical stuff. And I had this moment of surrender where I said, okay, I will call the repairman, which leads me to the first truth today about being equipped for our everyday mission, and it's this. You are equipped for mission proportionate with your willingness to yield. You're equipped for mission proportionate to your willingness to yield. There was a certain point where I realized that I, I needed to call somebody to come and fix the oven. As much as I wanted to do it myself, I needed to call and help. And I'm glad Katie brought me to that point. I yielded, right? And so too with these disciples in our passage. What seems like Jesus giving them these sort of incomplete instructions is actually his way, I think, of encouraging them to yield. Look at what he says. He says, take no gold or silver, copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, two tunics or sandals or staff. Whatever town or village you enter, find, who is it, find in it who is worthy and stay there until you leave. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that on your everyday mission, travel light. Travel light. Don't pack a bag. Don't overplan. Go somewhere. Stay for a while in that place. And then be ready to go somewhere else. Travel light. Don't worry about the logistics of money or food or housing. Because Jesus will take care of you. What does it mean for us? For you and I to travel light in our everyday with God. It means that we yield to Jesus. That's what it means. We release our control on the day, how the day is going to go, what we're going to say, what we're going to do, and we trust that Jesus himself goes before us. It's giving up the false notion that we could watch another YouTube video or download another manual or just be a little bit more prepared and a little bit more ready. We are called to travel light. Yielding to Jesus, trusting in him. So how do we become equipped for everyday mission? Well, the more we yield to Jesus, the expert, we release control to him, and the more equipped we are. Which brings me to our truth number two, and this is a big one. It's this, God doesn't give us tools. He gives us a person who loans us tools. So the oven repair guy did come the next morning, I don't remember his name. Uh, he's still in my phone. It says oven repair guy on it. Um, he very quickly got to work. He was totally undaunted by the mess that I had made. And, and I said to him, hey, I, I don't want to be nosy, but do you mind if I just kind of look over your shoulder while, I'm, while you're doing this? Because I'd, like I'd like to see what you're doing and maybe someday be as smart as you and be able to fix something like this myself. And he said, oh, sure. No, actually, I'd love if you would do that. Let me show you what I'm doing. I'll walk you through every step of it. And he did. 
He walked me through every element of the oven. He graciously explained things to me that I was obviously slow to understand. He said a couple of times, actually, no, I'll, I'll undo what I just did and you try it so that you can do it, which is pretty cool, right? He even walked down to the basement with me in the tool area and showed me which tools I could use if this ever happened again. He offered me something that a YouTube video or an instructional manual never could do for me. In verse 16, Jesus starts telling his disciples that their mission is going to be difficult, that not everything is going to go perfectly well, that they're going to endure discouragements and frustrations and setbacks in this everyday mission. But he speaks a game-changing promise over them in verses 19 and 20. He says, Do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at the time, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Jesus gives us a person. He gives us the person of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of the Father, his own presence. Instead of a a toolkit, a bunch of tools, Jesus gave his disciples a person, his own presence with them, someone who will guide them, equip them, even speak on their behalf, someone who will walk through each and every element of the day with loving instruction, will guide hands and feet where we need to go, and even give us words to speak. It's actually one of the reasons that we're here as a church. One of the core affirmations of the Evangelical Covenant Church denomination is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. And our denominational president, John Wenrick, focuses on this constantly. He has this saying that he repeats over and over again, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit is the burning center of our shared mission. The burning center of our shared mission. What he means by this is that The Holy Spirit is the center of all everyday missions, giving energy and warmth and light and inspiration to our days. When we recognize the gift of the Holy Spirit at the center of our mission, our eyes are open to how ably equipped we already are for anything. And if the Spirit is not the center of our days, we recognize that we cannot be adequately following Jesus because this is Jesus' presence with us. It's important to note that Jesus does that, that Jesus says in this passage, don't worry. I think we're so often worried about what to say and what to do. But when you think about the opportunities that God puts before you every day, the people and the places and the work that he's given you to do, I want you to begin to imagine all of those opportunities being animated and resourced by the very Spirit of God. I want you to imagine that you are not alone in the moments of each day, but yielded to God, that the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit is right beside you, guiding your movements and your words. Now, it's important to note here that that to do this, we're not a passive participant in this. You're not a lifeless thing that's just animated by the Spirit and it starts speaking through you, nor is this a license to laziness to neglect prayer and preparation in your own heart and in your own mind. Instead, you are an active participant first by yielding to God and then receiving the Spirit's help. Much like that repair guy, the Spirit will show you the tools that you already have, spiritual gifts, abilities, resources, gifts that you've been given, opportunities that you have, words that are already in your heart. So life with this Spirit gives us confidence because we see the Spirit equipping and becoming more and more trusting that God is going to provide for us and take care of us and is with us. 
Which brings me to the third truth from the text this morning, and that's this. With each new day in the Spirit, God is preparing us for even greater things. The disciples um, are actually sent out several times in the Gospels. It's hard to know between Matthew, Mark, and Luke if, if, if some of these are the same mission just told in different ways or if it happened several different times. But they are sent out several different times in the text to preach and to heal and to teach. And some of the narratives relay successes that they had. Other narratives relay that the disciples were deeply discouraged because they couldn't do everything that Jesus sent them out to do. Why couldn't we do the things that you do, Jesus? I feel this way too. Do you sometimes? I mean, some days I feel encouraged by my ability to yield to God, my ability to live life in the Spirit, and then there are other days, eh, not so much. Some days I wonder why I wasn't able to share God's love more clearly with with those around me, or I, I lament what I perceive to be missed opportunities that I just couldn't seize. Sometimes I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. But life in the Spirit is an exercise in the long view. When the disciples went out, Jesus was not measuring the immediate results of that day and what happened in those villages and in those towns. He, was foc- he wasn't focused on on, on, on what they did in that particular mission, but he was preparing them for life in the Spirit the next day, and then the day after that, and the day after that, and years later, and years later. There were certainly discouragements and encouragements in that one day, but Jesus was preparing them for even greater things. We see this after Jesus' ascension and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which was read for us at the beginning of the service at Pentecost. Right after that Spirit is unleashed on the people, In Acts chapter 2, we see these disciples preaching boldly to thousands of people. We see them healing people's diseases. We see them traveling lightly with help of the Holy Spirit each and every day. That's really what the book of Acts is about. So, my friends, let's not worry about the results of this day, but let's join Jesus in the long view. When the Spirit gives you courage to live out your faith today, It will give you confidence to live out your faith tomorrow and the next day. When you speak a word of blessing today, it will be more natural for you to do that in the future. When you share your faith with someone else, you speak the name of Jesus to somebody else, you choose to pray out loud with somebody else, you are kind of flexing those muscles that are getting strengthened for future days of everyday mission. So the knob on the stove went out again this summer, by the way. Exact same problem. But guess what? I was prepared, wasn't I? I knew which tools to use. I knew where the dangers were. I knew how to handle it. I dismantled the range. I went through the steps that were laid out before me. I fixed the knob. I replaced the range. I remembered everything that the repair guy had taught me. I still had his number on my phone. I know that I could have called him and he would have walked me through anything. But his lessons were with me. They were embedded in me. He had thoroughly equipped me. And I was encouraged that I could do it. It was encouraging to me. I'm sure I didn't do it perfectly, but I did do it. And I'd like to think that my wife was pleasantly surprised and maybe abnormally attracted to me after I fixed the oven. So, yielded to God, received the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit, see each day as preparation for tomorrow. This is life in the Spirit. We are... Equipped for everyday mission. If we choose to live life in the Spirit, we are equipped beyond measure. More than we can manufacture, more than we can imagine. 
And just as those disciples were called to travel light, so too it is with us. Don't let the realities of this everyday mission cripple you or overwhelm you, but trust in a God who gives you his spirit to be with you at all times and in all places. Consciously depend on him for everything you need. You know, this whole series on everyday mission is really about how God wants to use us every day, how his spirit moves among normal men and women, youth, children who live out ordinary lives, but are called to an extraordinary mission to be mediators of God's presence with the world. That's what's before us, and the best way to accept this mission is just to choose to live life in the spirit each and every day. I want to just close with a, with a story of this that I hope will be encouraging to you like it is to me. This is the story of Roy Godwin. Godwin wrote a book called The Way of Blessing, which is a book about his remarkable journey of everyday mission. Godwin, Godwin was a, a, a fairly successful businessman in England, and despite his successes in business and, and ministry, he was led by God to take over this place. Um, this is a place called Fall de Brennan. It's in South Wales. Beautiful place. It wasn't beautiful when he took over, actually. In the 1980s, a mountaineer came upon this remote, crumbling farmstead and felt led to turn it into a, a retreat center and a prayer center to recapture uh, that space, and Roy was called to be their director. The space was renovated. He and his wife, Daphne, moved into this remote place, very hard to get to, and they had no idea what they were doing. They didn't know why God had led them there. They had very little training. They were kind of starting from nothing, and they were in one of the most unchurched, spiritually resistant places in all the UK. And more than that, they had almost no visitors for a while at the beginning. They didn't know what they were doing. So they began to pray. They yielded to God. They opened themselves up to the Holy Spirit. The next morning, a couple knocked on the door of this retreat center. And they asked, what is this place? And God went and asked, well, do you have a booking? Are you here for a retreat? Did you come to pray? No, they replied. And he realized that these people weren't believers at all. And not only that, but they had no idea why they were there. No idea why they even showed up. So Roy and Daphne didn't really know what to do. They weren't equipped for this, so he sort of made a tradition up on the spot. He said, well, with any of the visitors that, many of the, any of the visitors that we have, what we do is we have tea get to know each other a little bit, then we take a tour of the grounds, and then we uh, will end in the chapel and we'll pray a blessing over you. He had never done this before, so technically it's a tradition, but it started that day. So he had tea with them, he heard their story, he gave them a tour. Their tour ended in this small chapel on the, on the grounds, and he offered a very simple prayer to them in the chapel, and it was this. I bless you in the name of Jesus to know God, his purposes for your life, and his blessings on you and your family and the situations of your life. Amen. Made it up on the spot. And then something extraordinary happened. This couple began to weep. They began to shake. And Roy didn't exactly know what to do. <laughs> so he said, well, I'll just give you a moment. And he left and he prayed and he came back and talked with them and explained to them that this was the Holy Spirit they were feeling and he sent them on their way. Wow, what a strange day. The next morning, a knock on the door. A different couple appears. Same thing. 
We don't know why we're here. What is this place? A cup of tea? A tour? The same blessing in the same chapel. Tears shaking. It happens day after day after day after day. The retreat center today is packed with people who don't know why they are there. People are staying longer. Tradesmen are coming and they are fixing the grounds and making it a beautiful place. They're starting to worship. In fact, this blessing is emanating now from this retreat center to the local village where people are coming to know Jesus. Where did this widespread blessing begin, everybody? It began with a prayer of yielding to God, a prayer of openness to the Spirit, a cup of tea, a tour of the grounds, a simple prayer, and God's Spirit did amazing things. And the blessing snowballed to the point where God's Spirit is doing a legitimate revival in South Wales through these people. That revival began with yielding, with living with the Spirit each and every day. Kind of unremarkable actions, to be honest. And I pray that it might be so for each and every one of us, that the Spirit will equip us each and every day with everything that we need. I'm going to invite Ruth to come forward. And before we pray as a response, I want to sing a hymn that's going to open our hearts up to the work of the Holy Spirit. Have thine own way, Lord. It's hymn number 381. And when she's done, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of welcoming the Spirit into our each and every day, yielding to God. So let's sing together and prepare our hearts. Hymn 381.